Lund, coast to coast, peanut butter and toast. Probing in the lane, fading away, whoopsie doo, don't mind if I do. In transition, denied by Hoyling. DeCam says, give me that, a pick two for Northwestern. Spot of three on the way, bang for Noah and the Erickson center erupts. Spread the love around, corner, pocket, cash for Lund. One of the many teams that is in the mix right now in the UMAC on the women's side. We are so pleased to welcome in another first-year head coach, Bridgeport Tussler, the leader of the Crown College Polar's women's basketball squad. Coach Tussler, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So your club right now sits at 4-3. and three. We are at the halfway point of UMAC play. And we want to get into what we've seen so far this season and what you have looking ahead to the rest of conference play. But before we do that, wondering if you would take us back to what you experienced this past summer. And, you know, you can lay out whatever you would like to in the timeline. But when, you know, you found out that the crown job was open and how that process worked, I mean... Many people know, but for those who don't, just to provide some context, the coach last year, Leah Zabla, is now the head women's coach at North Central. So C steps aside, but there's still talent left on the roster, clearly, for Crown. So I don't want to lay anything else out there, Coach. Take us back to you know whatever you'd like to do. So June, July, August in the summer, and then kind of work us through the timeline of uh, what got you to the place of uh, taking the job at Crown College. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was a crazy summer, that's for sure. Uh, the biggest thing was I was at McAllister last spring. Um, and when that season wrapped up, we had a great run. Um, Abe Wadalassi was great at trying to get me kind of just in front of coaches, um, in front of athletic directors, just to see if I could get a head job. And um, I'd say I probably got ahead of myself. I think I applied to probably 30, 30 different schools um, all over the country. I joke, I don't love the cold, but I even applied to Fairbanks, Alaska. Um, and so I was just really just trying to find who's going to give me a chance. Um, and after learning through the early spring, um, resume-wise and just experience on the women's side specifically, I could tell I wasn't um, that appealing to a lot of ADs to kind of take a chance on me. And so um, I was trying to figure out, okay, I still want to be a college coach. What's the best way I can do it? Um, I even missed out. I didn't get a head high school job. And so I kind of just got humbled pretty quick and said, all right, let's, let's take one step back that could project me forward. And uh, convinced my wife to um, take assistant jobs at Eden Prairie High School. And so we actually did that from like June and July. And at the time I was delivering for Amazon, um, I was just kind of grinding, just trying to make, make a living of some sort while... Uh, just planting a little seed on the women's side or the girls' side at the high school level. And so I worked with Eden Prairie all summer. Um, was never looking at that point, wasn't looking for a head job. Um, uh, Abe actually at McAllister reached out to me and said, hey, I have uh, some news. You know, North Central's job is open um, and so is Crown. And um, I'll never forget being in an Amazon van, pulled over and just had a conversation with Abe. And we were just talking about which one would we want, which one would we want to pursue. Um, and then probably a half an hour later, I have a close friend of mine. He lives in Florida now, but he reached out and said, hey, Crown's job is open. I know the athletic director, and he's a good guy. I would think you'd really like to work for him. And so between the two, and at the time, I think Leah Zaba was already getting hired by North Central, but we didn't know that. And it was really nice because I kind of sat there. I prayed about it for just a little bit, and not even that it was an answer. But um, for me, I thought Crown could be the, could be the one. Um, North Central is a great program as well, but not even to compare, but I think I like the idea of building a program um, and if they would give that chance. And so um, I kind of searched, um, or I got reached, I reached out to Mike and just said, hey, I heard this job is open. Um, I'm not necessarily looking for a head job, but I think this could be a really good fit with the timeline I'm in. Um, and then me and Mike uh, Vigu, athletic director at Crown, 
uh, within 24 hours met, um, actually it was the same day, now that I think about it, we, I drove out to Crown after work, um, and he kind of gave me a tour, it was him, his wife, and uh, Titus, their little one, and then it was me, my wife Angie, and Phoenix, our little one, and he just gave me a tour, um, I'll be honest, I knew a lot about Crown, um, reputation-wise, has not been a successful athletic program in any capacity, and I kind of wanted to see the mission to start, um, and definitely when I think about it, uh, my wife did ask me as we pulled into the parking lot, like, if they offer you the job today, would you take it? And we have a good agreement of like, we'll talk about it first. So there's a little um, kind of a trick there, I guess. I had to answer that correctly. But uh, I did say I needed to see where Crown was at and where they wanted to move forward. I didn't want a head job just to get a head job. Um, and I was already kind of set in stone of being at Eden Prairie and being with family and coaching in that, that realm. So uh, overall, after meeting with Mike, I got back into my car with my, wife, with my family and flat out said I want to work for that guy. So now I'm fired up. Now I totally want this job. And, um, but it was interesting because I would say I never searched for it. I kind of touched base on it, um, but it wasn't like an application process. Um, from the start where I, you know, send that in and resume and fight for every part of it. Um, it just seemed to kind of align and um, still feel bad in some sorts of how I kind of left Eden Prairie out to dry. Now it was in August, so they still had a couple months to find more coaches. But um, with that, my wife stayed on staff, so she's coaching at Eden Prairie still. But it's kind of weird to think back on the summer and how it was because I felt like my mind was everywhere. I wanted to not necessarily move, but I wanted to find find a job that I could see myself and call home and um, believe Crown is that and um, and it helps right now that we're rolling it's definitely a talented core of girls um, and women but they acquired some and yeah we can get into that more but just overall it was a really good place to walk into and Crown is trying to grow we're trying to be competitive in every way we're trying to grow as a college and so it's a really fun place to be right now um, where I know other institutions are struggling in that way and don't have the same mission as we do. That's an incredible story, Coach, and I don't think anybody quite realizes just the grind it is to try and get a head coaching job unless you hear it straight from somebody that's gone down that path, so that's really cool to hear. I'm actually going to take it even a step further back because, you know, me and Ryan, we do our research and preparation for these interviews. We know kind of about your history as a coach and even as an athlete growing up and whatnot, where you went to school, things like that, but our listening audience, maybe they don't know. So a couple questions for you. Number one, I'm an Elk River guy, so I played basketball at Elk River. You actually played against my older brother all through high school. Uh, his name was Porter Morell. I don't know if that name rings a bell to you or not, but uh, if it does, you know, you can uh, remember that, uh, you know, you guys had quite a few battles back in the day. But uh, tell us a little bit about your playing days, where you went to college, you know, just kind of your journey uh, as you were growing up, where you went to school, things like that. Yeah, so I grew up uh, Twin Cities, grew up in Maple Grove. Um, went to Osseo High School. Uh, Porter Morrell was a friendly rival. I had other <laughs> rivals that I, I still don't like. Um, but I got to actually hang out with Porter um, over the All-Star weekend. And we were roommates, actually. And um, it was I was so happy I got to get to know him um, more from a personal level. And um, side note, and then he goes to Northwestern, which was also <laughs> great. Um, he, he got to beat St. Thomas, which I was jealous about. Um, so... But, yeah, I went to Osseo High School, played basketball and football. Um, definitely, I will say out of the womb, I was by far more gifted at football. Um, I viewed myself as a football player who played basketball, but I loved hoops. That was totally the thing. And uh, got an athletic scholarship to go to South Dakota State. Uh, it was a great, great one year I was there, a great experience. Um, but I found myself going to play open gym. And even though I was a scholarship athlete and wasn't allowed to, I could tell it was wrong in that way so I was like okay, how can I come back home and play hopefully play both I couldn't give up football yet um, and yeah my passion for basketball kind of just kicked in once I didn't play it for a year and so I transferred to Bethel uh, University got to play both basketball and football there um, played football for three years and then my senior year after I think by that point I had five surgeries and it was just time for me to focus on one sport and kind of give my all to where I felt like I was a better fit at that point in my, in my career, in my life. Um, so played at Bethel. Uh, basketball is kind of where it took off. I always knew I wanted to be a coach. Um, definitely thought, even to this day, I'd still be playing some type of athletics. Um, 
And so once I realized body-wise that I just, I would rather start focusing on others and not necessarily focus on my my life dream of playing professional. Um, I was like, you know what, I could still get paid and make a living off of coaching. And so that kind of sped up that process. Um, and I was blessed right out of college, got a JV head job at Maranatha Christian Academy under Rob Ware and Larry Tate, who are now at Armstrong. Um, and I was on the boys' side. And I was also, also a varsity assistant. And then the next year got a head job at Monticello High School um, Gary Revenig, athletic director there, took a chance on me um, one year out of college. And um, with no high school head coaching experience by any means, and um, there are some backgrounds like I could throw out there, like I've been coaching AAU with Crossfire now for this is going into our sixth year. I do that with my wife. And, um, and then I also did a bunch of college camps. Like I went to Louisiana Tech and worked, worked for a week week or a week and a half down there and as well as I was with the Austin Spurs or the San Antonio Spurs during the G League for probably about seven to eight days and so I got into coaching that way so on a resume it looks great but true timelines I felt like every AD so far has had to take a chance um, on me which I'm extremely grateful and I think some of my recommendations have been extremely helpful in that way Um, but yeah overall my career I like to kind of say my career was at Bethel. Uh, South Dakota State was a great one-year learning experience, but um, Bethel is where I truly found myself loving basketball and learning how to teach it. I had Doug Novak, who's now at Army at West Point, um, who I talk to weekly, and he is by far my number one mentor when it comes down to running a program and just kind of doing that search in general. Coach, I think later on we may circle back to uh, to Bethel and how that potentially plays into you being on, on the UMAC side now. But, but before we get to that point, for those who maybe aren't aware, you guys started off 0-2 in UMAC play, but then you began a win streak in the new year. So maybe you were just waiting to turn the page till 2023 because then your club caught fire. You guys get rolling on a win streak, including four in a row in the UMAC. And unfortunately, that ends this past Saturday. But... I lay all that out to say, I know we're 15 games in and you could take this a number of different directions, but is there anything that sticks out as far as what you have learned coaching women's basketball in the UMAC in this experience and specifically your expectations coming in and on the other side, how it has lived up to that or compared to that, what you expected versus what you have now experienced being you know, a few months into the gig and where we sit right now, halfway through UMAC play. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't want it to seem like I know everything uh, by any means. So is it what I expected? I would say a little bit. Um, Mike did ask me what's one thing that I would think I would struggle with or would be learning about. And I didn't mean it in any arrogant way, but I thought X's and O's I'm taken care of. Like playing under Doug Novak, um, man, the guy is so, so good at coaching and teaching and we talk all the time. So that part for me, I would say is natural or more of a gift in that way with my experience, but off the court stuff, um, there's so much more to college coaching than X's and O's. X's and O's is actually probably 2% of the whole thing. Um, so the biggest thing I learned is I put way too much in right away. Um, I loved it, but I think I've been spoiled by coaching the same girls for AAU now for five years, and I get to pick up where we left off last year. They're really intelligent that way, and we're here. I'm laying down the groundworks, right? I'm putting down a foundation, and um, over break was huge because it gave me two weeks to just sit and watch film and realize how not as skilled as I thought we could be and I took that way more as a responsibility on me of we got to teach this better. So, yeah, we can run all these different offenses. We can run Princeton, Chin, um, ball screen offense. But if we can't teach you how to use your skills in that, we're just we're just playing offense. We're not competing. And um, I remember Doug Novak mentioned, you know, comparing to all these Hispanic restaurants and talking about tacos. Like some people will have better discounts. Um, other people will, you know it's cheaper to buy and so forth like but at the end of the day the best business businesses are the ones that make better tacos and so we joked about that as a staff and then we talked about it as a team and said hey we're going back to square one 
We rushed over so many skills. We can keep the game super simple. Good news, you have all this offense in the back pocket, so we don't have to relearn anything. But now we can get better at everything. And I think that was my biggest learning piece was we can keep this offense super simple, um, defense super simple, but we're going to make you better individuals on the court and then figure out how to get five people to play together to the best of their ability. Um, And so probably the biggest learning curve was that. The second would be, and I knew this a little bit, but women want to play for each other. Love it. I absolutely love it. But if you can't create an advantage and um, if you can't score one-on-one, well, why wouldn't everyone just deny everybody else and make you play one-on-one? So we've gotten a lot better that way. Um, And um, there's a phrase we used at Bethel, me first for us, and I, I reference it a little bit. I'm not making it a pillar by any means, but at some capacity I'm trying to get every single girl, hey, we got the ball into you in the post. This is for you to try to score. And at the end of the day, you shoot it and miss. We'll live with that. But I don't want you to look to play with somebody else and you're two feet away from the basket. So just little things like that. Um, developing a individual mindset of, hey, I can score. And building their confidence up that way, um, I think, has been probably the biggest learning curve in a good way. It wasn't, I wouldn't even say it was a challenge. It was just something that after watching film, um, I learned that. And then when I think about the two games early, What's really tough is, at that point, we were playing so many games in a week that it was nice to play conference, but those two games to me are so distant from the rest of the conference play that um, I think of Morris, for example, they were on the same schedule as us in that way. And yeah, we both got swept by Northwestern and North Central, but you get to play a couple other games, you get a couple weeks under your belt, you get break, and now we're hitting uh, conference play, and I think that's helped a ton. I think our girls needed a break. Um, so, again, I threw a lot at them. And with that, you know, we have six freshmen. Um, we have two transfers. So I, it's it's new for a lot of people. And I think that's a huge piece was break. We needed that. And then we could come back and realize we got to be better as teachers. So it's, let's not run 10 different offenses in a set. Um, let's Let's just get really good at the basic skills. And then we can grow from there. Now, Coach, uh, we're not going to be able to get to all the questions I want to ask tonight because we'd be here for like five hours, and obviously I want to be mindful of your time. This is one I am curious to hear your answer on, though. And and again, you've mentioned it several times. You've been at a lot of different stops already in your coaching career. Is your favorite part of coaching, regardless of the level, the same? So has your favorite part of coaching been the same since you've got to Crown as it was, like you said, when you were at Monticello or even at McAllister? Or at the different levels, have you noticed there is a little bit of a difference in why you enjoy it so much? Or is your why you do it still the same, regardless of what level you're at? That's a great question. I uh, I think the why for me has always been the same. Uh, I love teaching. I love instructing. Um, I like being creative with X's and O's and different strategies. Um, so I would say my why for sure is has always been the same. It started off with coaching at camps or AAU and just kind of building those relationships and seeing them grow. I think of AAU, I would say my why got deeper in the sense of now these girls that I started with AAU, for example, are now driving. It scares me. But I remember them when they were in fifth grade and so forth. So I think that part's cool just to see them grow. Um, high school, I think about some of the guys that I've coached and some of them now are playing football at Division One schools or Division Two schools um, or other guys that are still trying to figure out life, which I totally understand that way as well. And um, just kind of keeping those relationships, um, I would say, is probably a bigger part of my why. And then now as I get older, um, there's so much more to basketball um, than basketball. But there's, you know, there's so much more to life than basketball as well. And um I think about a little bit of the why for me as it gets deeper is family. Um, I'll never forget my my baby boy was born in between the Mayak semifinal game and the Mayak championship. So I stayed in the hospital um, during that little spread and then uh, woke up and drove out to St. John's to play them in the Mayak championship. And we ended up losing that game and I felt like we lost it. Credit to St. John's, but uh, I think they outplayed us for five minutes and that hurt. And it was the weirdest feeling because I was excited to go home to see my boy. And it was just one of those concepts of, man, I get I get the best of both worlds. I get to coach, um, and I, now I get to be a dad. And um, 
And so I think for me, as my why keeps getting deeper, I would say the biggest blessing is to get paid to do something you love. And for me, coaching is that. Money isn't everything to me. Uh, I will say the moment that guy was born, I, my spending's changed. My <laughs> mindset's changed in that way. But um, I just say my why keeps getting deeper and um, I feel it more. But I've always been somebody who can win or lose and then hang out with you right after. I don't know what, what that is about me. I think I'm a tough competitor. But um, so many times would I hang out with my opponents after the game uh, a couple hours later as we got back. So uh, overall, I can let go of winning and losing so much. I believe results will take care of themselves. And uh, yeah, I would say my passion is still teaching the game. And I learned such a freewheeling way of playing that I think, especially on the women's side, you don't get as much. Guys, you can be, hey, go do, go do what you do best. And, ISO and kind of go that route but now if we can do that on the women's side I think they get to finally enjoy basketball in a different light than what they did in AAU or high school and so forth so um, I just think it's a rare it's a rare side um, to learn and but yeah I would say my why just keeps getting deeper with relationships and more of the understanding of life and what life can bring you and so forth. That's awesome stuff coach it is uh it's definitely about the relationships more than anything else and this is kind of a, a two-part question. So so part one of it, I want to take you back to the start of this month where you guys pick up a couple big non-conference wins to propel you into UMAC play. And then you're hosting, as a head coach at Crown, your first UMAC home game. And I know, as you've explained, you have coaching background. You were a decorated athlete. Like You've been around the game, clearly, but th- this is a new experience. So all that is to say... It was a thriller against Morris in a game that clearly you guys obviously wanted to avoid going to 0-3. It goes down to the wire, and I'm not even going to say the end of the game, but would you take us into that huddle when Morris ties things up and you call a timeout with just under a second to play and you're trying to draw something up for your squad? Take us into that spot, and then i got a follow-up question. And you know, tell us what, what happened out of that timeout, if you, if you will. Yeah, so if I can jump back, um, I felt like in my last three to four years, I've been beat by buzzer beaters at a sideline out-of-bounds play. I think about AAU, it's happened two or three times. And in Monticello, my first year, it happened in sections. And um, I'll be honest, I drove the play just completely out of the out of the loop, but kind of give Holy Spirit some credit there for sure. Um, and first thing I thought of is we have a softball player. We have somebody who can throw overhand with one hand. Uh, so Maddie Hecox, I was like, I know you've, she's been on a roll, um, but there's, I don't even know, one point, there's one second left or whatever. And, um, and so I put her on the out of bounds and I think she hesitated to look at me like, wait, what? I'm not taking this shot. And, uh, <laughs> but I trusted her as a softball player. Right. Uh, I'll be honest. I can't throw a basketball like that. So, um, I've seen her do it many times. So I put her there. Um, and then after that, I, I know more switched a lot. And coaches that switch live and die by it. I hate switching. Um, it's not a knock to any coach. I just think the game is so much easier if I'm like, this is who I'm guarding. And so I was trying to run some type of dummy action early. Somebody, so who's next? Oh, Kenzie Lasky, one of our best players, um, huge, great teammate. Um, so I'm going to try to run her off of a couple screens just to get some confusion. Um, and then Isabel Sager was our post, put her at the free throw line. Uh, she was probably our first screen setter. And then I wanted her to kind of clear out of the paint. And Halo Flowers was the last one. I put her at the, the highest point, top of the key. And my mindset was honestly like, yeah, Hala, you're going to slip this last screen. And we're going to get you on the right side of the rim. And if you get a catch, go ahead and shoot it. Um, but to be honest, I didn't say that. I thought it. Um, but my mind was so much of it's tied. Uh, we just absorbed a huge fourth quarter by them. I think they came back from like a 10-point deficit. Um, and I remember telling everyone, we just have to touch the ball. Well, I was already thinking overtime. Um, play works great, but in my mind was so much of, hey, I, the last thing I want them to do is put their post underneath the basket. And we go and try to get that ball, and we go through them, and now it's a foul, and now they're shooting free throws to win the game. So I played it really conservative, even though the play ended up not looking like it but it was totally a mindset of hey we'll take our punch Uh, we just absorbed a big comeback by them what's going to what's going to overtime and I know they had momentum but 
I think we can always dim their momentum of some capacity. So, um, I mean, the play worked great. When I saw how wide open she was in the slip, um, our girls still make fun of me for my celebration or my reaction. Um, they make fun of me a lot about my reaction. So, um, but yeah, it was a great experience. Uh, we played more this Saturday. So yeah, I had to go back and rewatch our game and it was nice again to just remember how that happened and so forth. And I think the biggest thing for us is we had Maddie Hecox, trust me, um, trust her teammates and trust herself to throw the pass. We, I didn't talk about her, but Amy Martius also came off of a screen. Kenzie Latsky also came off of a screen, who both have led us in games and scoring. Um, and Halo, who's probably the one who no one would have suspected. I didn't think about it that way. People came up to me, but it was a really self, uh, selfless moment by everybody, um, which was really, really cool to see. And coaches, you talk about it, you preach it, but it's really cool when you get to see it come into play. And when the stress comes, everyone's like, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to live by it. Um, and so that was really kind of a really fun moment for I think everybody to kind of see what we could be and what we're about that way. Appreciate you doing that, Coach. In my opinion, that's the best when uh, you know you can explain it like nobody else can and take us inside of those great moments. And so you mentioned a couple names, and, and I want to circle in on a few of them. Why didn't I just do this fun exercise called fantasy basketball? So we draft teams before the season. I took Latsky and Hecox. So I appreciate looking at box scores and seeing like, all right, those girls are putting up shots. I always say, don't be shy, let it fly, let those three balls go. And so I appreciate you guys doing that throughout this season. But specifically on those two, Maddie coming in as a grad transfer and then Mackenzie Latsky, we've seen what she's done in the conference in the past. And now you coming in as a first year head coach, how much did those two mean to you? And clearly it, it's a team game. I get it. And there's much more than two players on the floor that are making things happen. But what make those two special, specifically when you look at a guard tandem who can get their own shot, they can shoot it from deep, they can run the offense. What sticks out when somebody asks you, hey, how would you describe what it's like to coach Maddie Hecox and Mackenzie Latsky day in and day out? Yeah, 100%. They are coachable um, at the end of the day. They both had to trust me. They had to trust what Crown has built. And, um, you know, there was moments where we didn't know if either one of them was coming. Now, Hecox was coming for other reasons. Um, But I know Latsky had a great relationship with Leah. And so there was always that talk of, you know, when I got the job of whether or not they'd be here. And so for me, they they mean so much to, to me as well as every single girl in our program of, how trustworthy they've been towards me. Like they've really trusted me to come in. And um, I wasn't super nice day one or day two on the court, right? Like built relationships. um, But the biggest thing is just getting these girls to play good basketball, higher level shots. Um, So we, I know I wrinkled some feathers when I said no mid range. And I know these girls can shoot mid range, but I don't want them to hunt it. Um, And so when I think about those two in general, one thing that separates them is they can handle pressure. They both could be the one, they could be the two, the three, or even our four in our system. Um, you never know. I might even throw them at the five, <laughs> who knows. Um, but I would say, yeah, they separate themselves because they can just handle pressure already. They have a skill set that a lot of our girl, a lot of girls in general don't have in that way. Um, a lot of good programs just speed you up and put a lot of pressure on you. So they separate themselves from everybody, I would say, in that way. Um, but... On top of that, they're extremely coachable. Uh, I probably coached those two the hardest at times. And, you know, told them, hey, don't take this shot. Take this one or look at a different option here. Um, and we, I've mentioned percentage to them. I don't love stats in that way, but I do like efficiency stats. So, hey, you're shooting, you know, two for 15 off the dribble. You know, you get hunted and just catch and shoot. I don't care if you're really contested. Um, but percentage-wise, that might be better for you. And so just trying to give them little nuggets. And I'm not telling you you can't shoot. I'm not telling you you're a poor shooter. I'm just saying this one shot or this one wrinkle, get out of it. Get that out of your system. And let's, let's build towards something better. Um, and at times it hurts them, right? At times they feel like they have to take a step back and they have to grow that way. But by trusting in us and what we're doing and what we're about, um, I think their growth has been crazy now. Um, versus fight, if they fought for me for fought me for so long or fought our program for so long that we wouldn't be where we are right now. And so, uh, yeah, they handle pressure and they're extremely coachable. I think those are two things that 
I love. And actually, after having them in the program and me getting to learn from them as well, uh, people ask me, now do I recruit? I recruit girls that can handle pressure and that are coachable. I mean, the, the rest of the skills, we'll put you in the gym for every day in season. So we'll, we'll grow you as a skill player. But certain things you can't really coach and or maybe we don't want to, to spend that time on making you coachable. So that's where I would say they have truly shown and grown from is those two things. Now, the next question I got for you, Coach, Ryan normally asks this one, so I'm going to steal it from him just to make sure we get to it in case he he wasn't going to ask it. When people think crown basketball, take wins and losses out of the equation, I mean, you've touched on this a little bit already, but what do you want them to think when they think about crown women's basketball? If they come to a game and, and they leave, what what do you want them talking about, I guess, when they walk away from the gym? Uh, competitive would probably be the biggest word in my mind. Um, we're just going to compete. We're going to scratch claw um in a in a clean way but we're gonna totally play hard uh, i never thought about it going into college coaching but yeah defense uh this is definitely the osseo background in me under tim tyson um our best our best offense is our defense and if we can hold teams anything can happen um and so yeah i would love to say you know we're gonna put up 90 points a game or anything like that that can sell headlines but um i think competitive just tough and relentless um Coach Coach Jay at Bethel says tough suckers. Like I think that's just all part of it. Um, we just really want to be able to look our opponents and say, hey, like you got to beat us. Like we're gonna come right at you. We're gonna try to take every game from you, but you have you have to flat out beat us and play a really good game. Um, sometimes it's not always that exciting. You know, there's times we post up every single player, and we're just gonna we're gonna try to find a weakness on you and play that way. So. Um, there might be a little bit of an unex- unexpected. You have no idea what we're going to throw at you. Um, I put in something different every single game and it makes it harder to prepare for. So I think with that comes excitement. You never exactly know what we're going to do, but um, if you're around our program long enough, you'll understand our principles and our core. But, uh, yeah, I would say just flat out just want to be competitive in every game. Uh, even if we're down 20, like, you're going to have to play against us for four quarters. Uh, we were down eight, I think, to Bethany Lutheran with three seconds left, and I actually called a timeout and drew up something else. Refs weren't happy with that one, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but until that clock at zero, we're, we're going to compete, and uh, we're going to do it together. I alluded to it earlier, Coach. I want to circle back uh, at this time, and you mentioned a little bit about your, your playing history and the success that you had in a couple sports, but specifically basketball and what you did at Bethel, okay, so you're you're in the MIAC, but clearly you are aware of the UMAC and what's going on with the friends down the road at Northwestern and all the other schools in that league. You clearly had a perception or some sort of an idea as a player of what the UMAC was like back then. And again, this is not that long ago. You're still a young guy. But now we're a few years down the road, and you see it from a coach's standpoint. So as we widen the lens, we like to ask this to every coach we have on. For you, not just where do you think like the UMAC is right now and how deep it is and what you're going to get night in, night out now that you've played every team in the league at least one time and you're going to see Morris for the second time, like you mentioned on Saturday, but also add the context to it. You saw this league as a player, and I know it's on the men's side, and I know it's different, but is there any thing that you can add from being a player and how you viewed the UMAC following it? From that standpoint to now as a coach, how would you describe this league and maybe the growth that it's had to an outsider? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, one thing that is tough to truly answer is we only played Northwestern when I played at Bethel. Um, And so I always heard about other schools and other programs and um, players kind of killing it in the MIAC, and I've heard that they're tough players, but... Um, Northwestern was always, this, for me, it was a pride thing, right? Like, we can't lose Northwestern. Um, but then, next thing you know, they go off and knock off St. Thomas in round one of the Division One or the Division, the NCAA tournament. And so, it's like, man, anybody can win those games, right? You just got to get there. And so, and then Bethany Lutheran did it a couple of years later, and they upset St. John's. And so, for me, I always had high respect for whoever came out of the UMAC. Um, I, after playing college basketball, you gotta you gotta win enough to make playoffs, and then it's anybody's game. And then you take it one game at a time, and you gotta respect every single team you play against when you get playoffs, as well as the regular season. But um, for me, I knew the UMAC was tough. Um, I thought, from being um, more of an outsider, I thought it was top heavy. You have you know, Scholastica, um, 
Northwestern, and then Bethany Lutheran were the three schools that I always heard of. Um, Crown, I knew Crown was growing. I knew they were getting better, specifically on the men's basketball side. Um, but I didn't know much about them like when I was in college besides that. Um, and now when I'm at the coaching side, I realize it really, anyone can, anyone can win this conference. Anybody can beat anybody. Um, some are tougher than others, for sure. You feel that the moment you step into the Northwestern gym, you can just feel it. Um, but I even talk about like Northland and Martin Luther this year, they're going to upset two to three teams. And to me, it's not even an upset. Like they're both great programs. Um, and I think Martin Luther lost a, lost a huge player for them, uh, due to an injury, but they're still capable. Um, and so I guess over, overall, uh, now that I'm where I'm at and get to coach in the conference, um, first, I love all the coaches, everyone I've talked to, um, you can tell it's kind of, there's an enjoyment and a competitiveness to coach against each other. Um, we're in the Mac, maybe it was cause I was a player at the time, but I, I hated everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was, I just, I wanted to win. I wanted to wear the, wear the Bethel Jersey with pride and walk out of there. And, um, and so it's really nice that way to be able to have relationships with these coaches as well. And, um, and we are, we're, we're growing, we're being more competitive. Uh, and so it's, it makes it really fun where these next seven games, we have to do the best we can to prepare for both, both Friday and Saturday all week um, versus having a, not a free game. Cause again, in college, I think anybody can beat anybody, but um, I don't, I don't love when people come up to me and say, Hey, so-and-so you have this Friday. They're not that great. Right. And I'm like, well, not knocking us, but we're nothing special either. We're just playing really good right now. And, um, and again, I just, I have so much respect for every opponent we play. Um, but I think our conference alone is really tough. Um, the last thing I'll say is comparing it to the Mayak, I think for me is tough because it's a, it's a different level of um, the type of people you get. Now, a team can always beat another team, but certain players um, and the depth of their players, I think, are very different. Um, some teams have, I'm more related to St. Thomas back when I when they were in Division Three, but they had 15 players that could come in and take my spot. And I think that's where the Mayak, some schools get that leeway where we aren't as deep in the Mayak, in the UMAC um, roster wise. Um, but we still have a really good team and every, every program has a great team that way. Um, but I would say that's probably the biggest difference that I see being at the UMAC compared to the Mayak. Getting back to this year specifically, Coach, you, you mentioned you got seven more games to go. Let's just look briefly at the future that's right in front of you and your next three, where you take on Morris, then you got Northwestern, and then, uh, or excuse me, yeah, Northwestern, North Central, I guess, technically, and then uh, you got Northwestern. But either way, when you look at those three games in particular, and one of me and Ryan's favorite college basketball analysts is John Rothstein. He takes the quote from the Shawshank Redemption where he says, get busy living or get busy dying you got a three-game stretch coming up. It's an important stretch. How crucial is that going to be for your success the rest of the season? And, and you know, like you mentioned, you don't get any easy games. These three in particular, though, you know, going to be really important games for your club. Yeah, I mean, they're extremely extremely important and exciting, nerve-wracking and fun all in one. Um, I think I'm not going to sell many headlines with this, but one game at a time for sure, one day at a time. Um, you know, I'm going to sit down and get ready for practice plan for tomorrow type thing. And we're just going to continue to get better at, at what we do. Um, continue to build and build the best basketball, uh, both on the offensive and defensive side, as possible. And let Saturday come and let the results play out for themselves and keep learning that way. Um, I think the hardest piece is, and I knew this going in, um, with, I'll say, with Coach Zabla going to North Central. I know our girls have circled those two games forever. Um, it's a fun one. It's a fun little rival, and I found out more history just between the two schools. Um, and then you probably have, for me, as a pride thing, I'd love to beat Northwestern. Um, I've always viewed them as top dog in the UMAC, um, and with their reputation, and so many people in high school and college that I know would be looking at Northwestern, and I thought they were Division II athletes. So I think, for me, all of them are great, uh, but I can't say this enough that we woke up a beast here uh, with Morris, um, they struggled early. Um, we got, but I said, we steal one, we beat them, however we want to look at it. Um, but they've been on a tear since 
and I can feel the energy when I watch them play in the last four or five games, and they're on a hot streak as well. And so I think, for me, I respect them so much, and I also understand what it's like to be upset, if you will. Um, I don't think I lost to Hamlin after they beat us my freshman year, and that was an upset to us. So um, I understand the hunger and the fire that we might have fueled that team. And um, so for me, I'm so focused on just Saturday. Uh, and then after that, I can breathe and go to church on Sunday and then come back at it and get ready for the next week with two great schools and two great programs. Um, so it's a huge stretch, though. It's an absolute big-time stretch. And, um, yeah, we'd love to get them all. Um, but right now, for, for my sanity, i got to focus on uh, tomorrow, tomorrow morning and tomorrow's practice and kind of get things rolling that way. We are definitely looking forward to that matchup coming up for you guys this weekend, Coach, and uh, I think that one definitely will go down to the wire once again like it uh, did earlier this month at the WAC. I just have a few questions left, but speaking of that last matchup against Morris, whether it be that one or your guys' win against Superior the next day, you understand you know, there's a balance in this job, and you can look at the tape, and you can scout, and you can put in more offense like you were talking about earlier every single hour in the day if you wanted to but when you have a moment like that and you mentioned you know your players making fun of you a little bit for the reaction immediately following Hala Flowers making that shot but whether you look at what happened later that night or you know the next weekend against Superior how do you celebrate a big win as a coach now still trying to earn your stripes if you will early on in your career how do you find that balance and say all right I'm gonna breathe for a little bit is there a go-to spot in St. Bonnie for food you go to or, you know, out in your neck of the woods in the north suburbs. I mean, what do you do, Coach Tussler, to celebrate a big victory? Yeah, that's tough. I think um, with the Morris game specifically, uh, I wanted to share with some of my coaches that I have coached with, buddies that I played with that are now coaching and said, like, hey, this this is kind of cool. Um, sent it to Novak as well. Like, that part was awesome. Um, to celebrate, I... There's a place in Osseo, Main Street, called Duffy's. Um, they got the best burgers and wings and all the food you can I can think of. I, I've ate everything on their menu too many times. So I think that's one way for sure that I love to celebrate. Um, my wife knows that too. So that was nice. So we, that's kind of what we did. Um, the other piece of celebration for us is honestly, uh, it's a lot different now. Like Duffy's doesn't happen as much now with a kid. And, um, and he goes to bed early. So... Ideally, in the perfect world, is he goes to bed a little early, and my wife and I can sit on the couch. We have three dogs. Um, they all love to snuggle with us, and so I usually have three three mutts on me, and we put on a show that we're watching, whatever show that we're hooked on in that moment, um, or a movie. And to be honest, I eat way too much popcorn and ice cream, and so it's really nice to kind of do my daily night routine with the feeling of what just happened. Um, but I try, I try not to think much about hoops when the game's over. I try to decompress. Um, there's so much more to life than basketball, so I'm trying to connect that way and um, just kind of get that, that feeling still, hold on to it. But also, um, I don't want to get too high on my highs, and I don't want to get too low on my lows. So uh, I learned that early, and I think overall celebrating is great. Um, my biggest thing, though, is I, would, I love to celebrate when the season's over no matter what happens. Like, hey, it was a great year. Um, so for me, I don't – if I would have – if we would have celebrated beating St. John's when I played at Bethel, I think we would have lost focus on River Falls, and we ended up playing them in three overtimes in the round one of the tournament. So um, – but now I can look back, and I kind of celebrate it all the time, saying, hey, we won the, we won the Mayak. Um, and so for me, it's kind of similar. After this year, we can say, hey, we had a great run, whatever we end up at. But um, – so definitely celebrate. I love food way too much, um, and that's definitely for sure how I will be celebrating um, every win. And then for road wins, we get ice cream, so that's another perk for us. But, um, but yeah, I would say celebrating for me now is with family, and usually there's food and dogs included. 
Yeah, my uh, my fiance will appreciate the dog part there. Uh, she she loves hearing that. So glad to hear that you uh, get a bunch of them to come up next to you like that. This is a quick one. Uh, you know, you mentioned you know you played in the MIAC and now you're over here coaching in the UMAC. We've talked to other UMAC coaches, specifically on the women's side. A lot of them are pretty good friends. They've been coaching against each other a long time. It's maybe a little bit different than some other leagues, perhaps because of those friendships and things like that. You being a new coach this year, have you been able to connect with some of those coaches and? and and get to know them better and do you get that kind of sense as well even just with this being your first year that uh everybody does kind of kind of you know connect with each other and reach out and and whatnot yeah for sure i think a huge piece to that is um i kind of think division three as a whole but i think the umax special in this way where uh a lot of people are building families or um you know they have the roots down where a lot of people in college coaching right are always trying to make a move up at least once you get to a higher level and so i think that is part of it um i do sometimes joke and say to me it's a glorified physical education high school job right we get to do athletics all the time um we get stability ideally stability in that way where you could have a you could arguably have a tough year and that program's bought into you as a coach and so i think that's a huge benefit when you build a healthy program which I strongly believe everyone um, that is not brand new to this league has built a really successful program. And so I think um, overall I've been able to connect. Um, I'm weird in the sense of sometimes I don't always search to introduce myself. But at the same time, if you come up and introduce yourself, uh, I could talk to you forever. Um, I just think my mind's always focused on other things, probably like the next 10 sets I'm going to call <laughs> going into the game. But um but yeah, every single coach that I've talked to has been extremely friendly, one, um, really helpful in some capacity, whether they know that or not. Um, Bethany Lutheran's coach, Coach Jones, uh, like week one of me out recruiting, um, and we talked for probably half an hour, and uh, it was just really nice to be able to kind of talk to, um, talk to, I guess, your future opponent, if you will, but you don't see them that way. Um, and so I think overall, just the connectedness for me is huge. And I do know deep down everyone's looking like, you know, stay around, stay around, stay around. Because um, I think Crown that way has had some turnover and other schools have had turnover. And so it's been nice to s- that they also want somebody who's going to be here for a long run and kind of build that relationship as we get going. Because the UMAC is special that way where um, there's definitely a connectedness with the coaches. We love to hear that, Coach, and uh, do hope as well that you are around for a long time at Crown. This is the the last one from me, and then uh, Wyatt will finish with a fun one for you. But let's circle back to the standings. You guys are four and three. You're right in the thick of it, but you know only the top four make it to the UMAC tournament, and there's still plenty left to decide with still seven games to go. So that being said, what's going to be the difference for your club if you get in or you don't get in? And you can determine success as an outsider and wide and I looking in a number of different ways with your program coming in. I mean, you could throw so many different things out. Like what would we expect with a first year head coach and some roster turnover and all the new pieces like you mentioned, but you guys have worked your way into a spot where you are right in the thick of things. What will it take for you guys to be playing in that last week of February in the UMAC tournament? Yeah, I think we are very basic way of saying it. I think we have to win the possession game um, so some coaches hear that and they say okay I need more offensive boards or I need more steals or turnovers and or cause more turn, turnovers or limit my turnovers um, I think we have to just play the best brand of basketball um, so I think with that we could you know take the best shots and you got to knock some down you definitely have to but um, I always struggled when the game plan was you know going against a zone what do you got to do you got to make shots like well of course that's always part of the game right but um for us to be playing in the playoffs i think we we can't lose sight and think down the road we have to always think about today and getting better today um one that limits nerves and anxiety in that way next thing you know you're playing in the the championship or you make playoffs and then you can kind of look back after the season's over and realize what you did so i think we have to stay focused um continue to trust and at some point we're going to get punched in the mouth in a game and that's going to tell us give us a chance to respond and move forward or you know to fall over with the punches and so um bethany lutheran gave us a taste of that shooting 59 percent or 58 percent from three um 
over 60% in the first half from three. So that's all part of it. But um, I think for us to be playing the best basketball is to play every possession and try to win every possession. Live and die by the makes. But if we're taking great shots, play those percentages down the road and play the long game every game that way. Um, and we do have to trust each other. I think right now we have two hot hands with uh, Kenzie and Hecox, but I think there's a couple others that are really growing and they're really thriving. Um, I think Shauna Thompson's been one, um, right? Smalley and Amy Martius and Isabel Sager, Halo Flowers. So I think we're a lot deeper than people realize. Um, sometimes I make the choice in going seven or eight, but uh, when their time is called, I think they're ready and they know that. They're just hoping it's called. And um, so overall, just really having to win the possession game and fighting to compete for the best shot that we want. Um, and live and die by the results. Um, that way I think we can play more free. And if we make playoffs, I think we're going to really roll. I think that's the fun part. I don't think teams want us to make playoffs. And so I don't know if that's ever been said about Crown in that way, and that's really fun to think about, um, to, uh, to dream about, I guess, in some ways. But we are right there. We just got to win the possessions. Coach, really appreciate you being gracious with your time tonight. I want to end with this question. So first off, I got to make sure this is, in fact, correct. But I'm 99.9% .9 sure your brother-in-law is Brad Davison, correct? That is correct. Okay, so the reason I know that, and for people who don't know who Brad is, he, he played at Wisconsin. He, he was a good basketball player, really gifted athlete as well. Uh, I played against him since like fourth grade. He was my grade when I was at Elk River, so I got to play against him growing up. And, and the reason I'm tying this in is when you're at some family get-together, you're both great athletes, if you two were to lace them up tomorrow, one-on-one, -on -one, who, who, who's getting the dub? Maybe back in your prime, too. So it's you can take the, the in the prime for you, or tomorrow when you both lace them up, who, who's going to get that win one-on-one -on, -one on the court? I got to know. Oh, I'm going to dog him like he's my little brother. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and I hope he hears this. But, um, but yeah, our family events are always great. Um, I will say, I throw a side note, our, our brother-in-law as well, uh, married to Brad's older sister, uh, LJ Fort, played in the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, and, man, as our Christmases and Thanksgivings and Fourth of Julys, are, they are so competitive. Um, <laughs> and then the women on that side, too, are extremely competitive. My mother-in-law and Brad's wife and um, Steph and Angie. So, uh, but, yeah, between me and Brad, uh, he's my little brother still. Love to hear that uh, as a Gopher fan. I uh, definitely appreciate that, Coach. Uh, <laughs> Really do uh, echo what Wyatt said. Appreciate you being so gracious with your time. Best of luck uh, this weekend against Morris and uh, the rest of the way. And I'll echo what I said before. We hope you're uh, around for a long time and uh, hope we can stay in touch along the way. So, uh, again, thanks for the time and best of luck the rest of the way this season. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate you guys. Um, and please say hi to Porter for me. <laughs> you, you got it, Coach. Will do. Thank you.